welcome back to this season of the Digital Orthopedist Podcast, where we bring you the audio files from the DocSF Experience 2022. I'm Dr. Stefano Bini, your host for this podcast and the founder and chair of the Digital Orthopedist Conference at San Francisco, otherwise known as DocSF. In this podcast, the first of the second day for DocSF 2022, we start a conversation about how to finance the vision of orthopedic digital health. We were joined on stage by none other than Bobby Samuel, Vice President of Engineering at Anthem.ai. The moderator was Dr. Tad Vale, Chair, Department of Orthopedic Surgery at UCSF. Let's join them both on the DocSF stage in San Francisco. Good morning. Thank Good morning. You. Thank you. Man, you guys sound really alive and ready to go. So yesterday. Yesterday was amazing. Yeah. Yesterday, we covered everything from, well, actually, first of all, we introduced the concept of move this into 2037. Mm -hmm. We got comfortable with that. We had a nice check-in. Had been a long time. Well, you say comfortable with that, but whatever. That's a good question, right? Very challenging times. And then went through the first half of our story that we're telling you about the future of orthopedic surgery. Yeah. And we got to go deep dive into the adventures of AI and take a look at what that's doing in imaging. We spent time on robotics and data and interoperability and gaming. Change management, human-centered design. It was a lot for first day. But you guys did great. And today we're going to be doing some more really interesting things. I should have put that up there first. And again, before we go into what we're going to be doing, we again want to say thank you so much for to our community. Making your way here, deep diving into figuring out how to be in person again. Right. Um, And you know what? You're doing great. Uh, Who would have (laughs) known that you were out of practice? You guys are fantastic. And we have some wonderful academic sponsors and, well, one academic sponsor. One major academic sponsor, the Department yes, of Yes, we're surgery. going to hear from him in just a second. Yes. And then our industry partners. That- yes, Stryker, Dupusynthes, and Zimmer Biomet. Thank you very much for being here. And those symposia yesterday Outstanding. Yeah. So we got another one coming up today, so that's going to be super fun. And we're going to dive in today into the biggest question of all that everybody asks is, okay, how are we going to pay for this financing right. division? We want to learn more about sensors and science, lots more about science. Right. That was really fun. Fabrizio did a great job. We're looking forward to that. What do you want to say about MetaXR? Oh, we have, we have an extraordinary session of MetaXR. We're going to go all the way to virtual hospitals where you pay for your care using cryptocurrencies into the origins and the future of augmented reality Louis Rosenberg, who essentially yeah. invented the concept and did the first research on it. So it is a conversation so that I am so excited to hear. And yeah. we're going to hear from Intel as well about their vision for it. So it's a very, very exciting section. Yeah. And then, of course, IDEO is going to be coming. And as we mentioned, as you're listening today, and we've got IDEO, who is this global, highly respected, outstanding design firm that are going to come and help us design. Because as we mentioned, the real challenge, oftentimes, you hear these great ideas. Then you go back and you get one inch away, one knock from the door to your CFO or to anybody in that executive suite who owns a budget, who makes decisions. And you need to know who they are, what the challenges that they have, and why this work matters. So they're going to be helping us work through that. These are those shining faces that have these really wonderful approach. I mean, it's just the way they talk about things. I love the design. Yes, it's so, always so they're well. going to help us with that. So we have this premise, as we talked about yesterday. For those of you here, is that we want to give you the opportunity to go to 2037, 15 years out from now, a place where you can suspend your belief in reality and just engage with this information in a way that allows you to think openly about the possibilities of the future uh, without too many of the constraints of the moment. 
The idea being okay. that. Let's let the video talk. Let's let the video, talk. Yeah. Let the video talk. So you Very saw good. some of this yesterday, but we want to remind you. Today is April 28th, 2037. The world is immersed in what we once called the metaverse. Today, mixed reality is nothing more than one of the many realities I move between without giving it a second thought. I play games and fantasy worlds that are as real as the virtual office where I work and see clients. My kids visit the nurse practitioner and health coach without leaving school, and all the labs and testing are done at home using sensors, digital devices, and at-home testing kits with results rapidly available and digitally shared with their health team. My home is tracking everything about me, and I mean everything, from how well I sleep to what I eat. And my personal assistant, Andrea, is making sense of all that disparate information by prompting me with encouraging guidance and nudges at opportune moments. My insurance pays for Andrea, too, as it keeps me healthy, but that's just what's on the surface. Back in 2022, we were starting to see the beginnings of what was called the healthcare revolution. AI was starting to be a thing, taking care of mundane, repetitive tasks and ensuring that resources were allocated properly. We were seeing the early signs that predictive analytics might help people make better choices. We saw billions of dollars invested in healthcare startups, focusing on the patient experience. With time, empowered and educated patients drove reforms by voting with their pocketbooks. They called it the consumerization of healthcare. Access to affordable care became a priority to anyone linked to the interwebs, which are now everywhere, from rural Arkansas to downtown New York City. Do you recall the first time we saw machine learning translated into machines that could actually learn? Looking back, it was not healthcare that was changing in the early 20s. It was the world that was changing around healthcare. Healthcare simply followed along. Perhaps a bit unwillingly at first, but it evolved borrowing cutting-edge technology from industries that had already undergone their own digital transformation. We adapted VR from gaming and esports, infrastructure and payment models from banking and telecom, and customer service. Yes, can you believe it? Customer service came to healthcare from the likes <laughs> of Amazon and Best Buy. Smart chatbots replaced long waits on the phone, and all our medical data started to live on the blockchain. Now I can share my lab results, clinical history, MRI images, and anything else with whomever I want, wherever I want. And we were all so worried about this idea called interoperability. <laughs> so yes, indeed, welcome to 2037. It's a wonderful world that back in 2022 was just a glimmer of possibility. It was people like you that built this world. People with passion, people with vision, people who joined the revolution and saw it coming. I'm grateful to you. This world was worth building. All right. So that is the question. What are we waiting for? Precisely. So, yeah, one of the themes we believe in is that the world around us is changing. It's not for us to build all this technology. It's, a, it's a, for us to take advantage of it uh, for the benefit of our patients. And so we can uh, provide care to the increasing numbers of patients that need it.
we talked a little bit yesterday also about the, the lack of staffing, et cetera, that's leading to the need of these uh, technologies. So moving on to the financing question, which is our next How are we going to pay step. for this? How are we going to pay for this? And obviously, we could probably talk a week about that, but we're going to have two really great talks on it. But to introduce them, we have Dr. Tad Vale, also professor and chair at the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at UCSF, and actually one of the visionary leaders in the space of orthopedics and understands the importance of where we're moving and the value proposition from technology. Dr. Vale, would you like to come up and say a few words? Thanks to you guys. Incredible to watch this event evolve. And mm -hmm. the idea of looking into 2037, I think we're maybe a little bit more comfortable with uh, what does uh, 2037 look like. Uh, but just on the ground today, I wanted to give you guys a little feedback. I was talking to my colleague, Jason Miller from JBJS, first time attendee at this meeting and said he will not miss it again oh, in the future. So that's, that's where the enthusiasm that. <laughs> energy comes from. Thank you. Um, so, Thinking about the finance question, as uh, you know, I run a, a department, several hundred million dollar budget, and I'm also co-chair of the finance committee for UCSF Health, which is $7 billion of expenditure and, and budget to keep track of. And uh, the idea of how do we incorporate technology into our vision, our, our cost effectiveness, our ability to maintain a margin, and it's a struggle to know what to bring in, where to make the expenditure, how to get the return. Uh, and so this next session, we've got a couple of great speakers that'll begin to address that topic with some new concepts like blockchain and other data analytics that would help. Can I ask you a question on that? Yes. So you're thinking about, you said the cost, how are we gonna make this work? What are the questions that you ask to say, how do we make the lives of our practitioners better? How do we make sure that technology is actually helping them and yeah. not getting in the way? Well, that's a very good question because right now, if you look at the physician community, the burden of documentation is, is huge and it's contributing to physician burnout. And I suspect that's not unique to healthcare. It's not unique to physicians. I can promise you it's not unique to physicians. Right. I can promise. <laughs> but, so that's, that's a huge question. So how do you bring in technology that makes day-to-day -day life, that makes interacting with patients better and easier? We've joyful, maybe? Joyful. Return yeah. the joy. Yeah. We've talked about the idea of a physician walking into a room with a patient, having an interaction, never writing a note, walking out of the room, and the whole thing is documented, and the data is collected, and, that, and the recommendations are collated. 2037, right? That's 2037. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what we ought to be doing instead of you know, still sitting at the computer, typing a note, turning back to the patient, and can then maybe doing a physical exam. It should be more seamless. We should have the, the sensors, the environment, the collection of data that we're hearing about here constructed in such a way that we can use it. Excellent. And is there a metric that you have that measures fun and joy? Like, I mean, seriously, when I yeah. open up an app right. and you see something like, oh, that's really, you know, there's a, there's a dopamine hit to say, oh, I can't wait to open that up. Right, well, not Can not we put that, that in level. if there's not? <laughs> but here it's another, the, your question's a really good one because it's another example of where we're probably not using technology fully. We could be measuring heart rate and we could be measuring dopamine maybe with a sensor <laughs> and seeing how people really feel. Right now we survey and there's survey fatigue. We survey, survey, survey. We ask our sure. physicians so many times, how do you feel that they get irritated because we're asking? So that's another opportunity. Talk about restoring the joy. How do we measure that? How do we know? And how do we not contribute to the opposite by asking too right, much? Right, right. Thank you again for being here. Oh, it, is, it is absolutely wonderful to have you here and to be live and alive. Yes, thank you for coming. Great. All right. Well, Great to have you. my pleasure. So 
We have two speakers in the next session, uh, Bobby Samuel and John Bass. As a reminder that the uh, pandemic has not completely left us, uh, John will be joining us remotely because he, he can't be here today be having to do with the pandemic. He's fine, but not here. So first off, Bobby Samuel, VP of uh, Engineering at Anthem AI. And the vision uh, that is in Bobby's bio, improve patient outcomes. And by the way, I used pen and paper. Everybody remember how that works? Probably not a best representation of uh, what you're trying to demonstrate stuff. Improving patient outcomes with advanced technologies such as genomics, machine learning, user experience, and especially precision medicine. Does that sound familiar? We are very interested in uh, hearing what Bobby has to say. So, Bobby? All right. Good morning. So um, my uh, seven-year-old son pointed out something that pre-pandemic, Dad, you had hair and shoulders. He's seven years old. You have hair and shoulders. He goes, so you're doing okay. You win some and you lose some. So um, my name is Bobby Samuel, and I'm excited to be here with you today and share with this group about how to finance the vision. And the angle that I'm going to talk about or talk about is how we do it through platforms and AI, machine learning, and tech to finance the innovation that needs to happen in healthcare. We all know we need to get there. And we saw the video just a few minutes ago. And I would challenge us to say, I would love to see that prior to 2037. Love to see that. And some of that tech is already here today and in prototype. And you'll be hearing, you've heard some, about it, some of it yesterday and some of it today as well. I said a little later. So the organization I work for is Anthem. And Anthem is, uh, we believe that digital health is here now. It's here today. That it's preventive, it's proactive, and that it's personalized. We are also, all of our endeavors are focused on becoming and being consumer-centric. We believe that it should be digital and AI first, not to replace human interactions, but digital and AI first, and that everything should be oriented towards total health and well-being, not just feeling okay, but really being okay and, and, uh, and getting there. So how do we finance the vision? Well, the vision comes through innovation. And let me talk a little bit about how we're going to get there, but I'm gonna start with the problems that we're facing first. So today, and this may be familiar to many of you, but today, 80% of an individual's health outcomes are determined by where they live, work, and play. I don't know about some of you, but many in my field, where we live and work have become synonymous to the same place. The places we play have been affected. And as a result from where many of you work and the places that you go, uh, you go to practice your profession, those places have become hard because as people have become angry or upset at the change and the things that have happened, workplaces have become tough. And then health has also been impacted by that. And even though people travel seamlessly between each of these pillars, what we find is that our data doesn't. Our data, when we go from one physician, one hospital to a specialist or to a personal device, our data is not connected. And so our data continue to sit in segregated silos, many of them with legacy technologies that don't talk to each other. So uh, last year I saw in Forbes, there was an, there was an art, um, a line that said, this came out in like uh, late 2021, that 52% of US health systems executives believe that data sharing or information sharing is the technology that have the biggest positive impact on patient experience. So let me tell you what Anthem is doing right now. Like this, so this is happening today as we speak, it's going on. So what we're doing is we're bringing together health plan and, and pharmaceutical data, clinical data, like observations, labs, 
diagnoses, as well as data from sensors, emerging tech. Some of the sensors are for things like sleep apnea sensors that are coming together, others for things that you're even wearing on your wrist. And then finally, community and social data, bringing all of that together. And for those of you that are unaware, but for social data, that might be someone that lives in a food desert, so they can't, they don't have access to grocery stores or fresh food or transportation desert, the access to care just isn't there. So being able to address those needs and then even the question that Shauna asked and Devno asked that, how are you feeling? All of that impacts how and sets context on how we're able to receive and or give care. We're pulling all of that together, but I want to want to just postulate with you that it's not the data. The data is just the foundation. There's also, we have to elevate the game into shared analytics. So that's where we are going now into shared analytics to show what is this data telling us? What's the context? And that's the puzzle pieces of machine learning, AI, tech, all coming together on the foundation of data to enable innovation. So Anthem has a digital platform. And the purpose of this digital platform at the foundation, like we said, is data, it's analytics, it's predictive, proactive, personalized insights. But all of this coming together to deliver seamless experiences, and that is critical, seamless, delightful experiences in healthcare, not just for the patient or the consumer, not just for the advocate or the care manager, and not just for the clinician, but for the community, for all of us. And at the, at the very base of this is Anthem's digital platform. This is where all the data is coming in. Um, I'll introduce a system called HealthOS. HealthOS is connecting to over a million clinical endpoints uh, by 2025, pulling in all of this clinical data, merging it with claims and labs and diagnoses and other values, pulling it all together. And then on top of that, we're running AI, machine learning insights with all the intent to move people and help people live the best and healthiest life that they can even sometimes very simply take the next best step. Sometimes that's all it takes. But I want to focus on the, um, the personas that are along the top today. So as a consumer, filling out your paperwork, going from one office to the next office, going from a dentist to a physician, and although it may make sense to someone that's in the profession of why that data is not shared to the consumer, they're seamless. They're the one person. They travel from place to place, and their data doesn't go with them. Why do I have to keep filling out the forms? Or if I need access to care, for example, yesterday I had a problem with my SI joint and I really needed to talk to my doctor, but my doctor wasn't available. I would have taken any doctor at that point because it hurt so bad. I was ready. To, I needed to talk to someone. I turned to YouTube to look for step care. How do I treat this? How do I take care of it? Having access to care 24-7, consumers are looking for it and their experience is fragmented. From a care advocate perspective, as a consumer, when you're looking for help and you're reaching out to someone, for that person with your permission to have context on your health history, your prescriptions, your lab results, the last appointment, or that maybe you've missed something and your prescription hasn't been, hasn't been shipped, having information and having access to that is a simple experience. And also moving, moving the care manager from just talking to person A to person B to person C to actually having delightful, engaging conversations with the person they're interacting with because it's at the right time. It's when the person wants to interact and it's a good time to have this conversation instead of I'm just following through my checklist today. I've got to get through my top 10 and move on. From a clinician, our user research is showing us and we're designing interfaces today of what does a clinician need the moment you have 30 seconds before you walk in, in, in the ER or the ED. 30 seconds. 
we'd love to have three minutes to be able to look and have context on, on this person we're about to see. Sometimes it's 30 seconds or sometimes you're just walking right in. There isn't any time to make eye contact. There isn't any time, and uh, Shauna did this to me earlier today, to sit down and say, hi, my name is Shauna and I'm here with you today. I'm here with you. We're gonna get through this. You're important, you matter. The human experience is part of this experience. And what we've done is we've gone from transactions to transactions and we need to move into connections and relationship. So the platform, as we pull all this together, starts to enable that. And so let me share a little bit about all of the innovation that sits in the middle and how we fund that. So on one end of the continuum, we've got Sydney, which is a member app. It's using AI machine learning to anticipate the needs of members. On the other end, we've got HealthOS, connecting to clinicians where they work, into their EMRs, trying to provide interfaces and things that might be delightful, but at a basis, setting context. What do you need to know? What do we have as the insurance company about this patient that you're seeing? Let's put that in front of you. You make the decision. What prescriptions is this person already on before you talk to them? What is their social determinants of health? What sort of things are available to them in their benefits package that you may not be aware of? Do they need a ride because they live in a transportation desert? Do they need food ordered for them because they live in a, in a food desert? They don't have fresh food, so order Blue Apron or have Amazon Fresh delivered to them. Insurance companies have those benefits. Many of our consumers don't even know that they have those available, but making that available at either end of the spectrum. In between, how does this get funded? It's innovation. The innovation for moving us from reactive care to preventative and proactive care. That's where the funding is going. That's where we as an organization are putting our efforts. We're working with companies today from startups to established organizations to fund sensors, to fund things that are innovative, to move and elevate the patient or the member experience, the consumer experience into something delightful, into a device that they're willing to wear into uh, things that actually help improve their lives and give them nudges into things that they actually want to do to improve their health and their total well-being. So in that middle, when we reduce the burden on cost of care, all of the innovation and all of the funding gets put into that. Anthem has made significant investments and continues to make investments in this space. In the next 10 to 15 years, we predict most of our investment will be in the innovation space today we're focused on virtual care, home care, rewards and loyalty programs, the simple sensors we have today. Tomorrow, it will be home devices, robots that are in your home. It'll be in ski equipment that will tell, uh, since we're in a room of orthopedic surgeons, uh, ski equipment that actually talk to the consumer and tell them you're favoring your right side more than your left, or in their goggles telling them, avoid this part of the hill. There seem to be a lot of accidents happening in this space. We will be funding those things because guess what? It keeps people healthier. It keeps people out of reactive care and helps us be proactive. So over the next few years, we expect to see a major transition and that transition has begun. We're expecting that to get bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier. And I'd be remiss to say this if we didn't do this, as part of our digital transformation, as part of where we're going, we must promote or champion health equity for all. Health must be, healthcare must be better for all people. And in that, there's some certain simple steps that we can do. First of all, promote health literacy. Everybody needs something different. You may be educated and you may be trained in a medical profession and have difficulty navigating the healthcare system. There are other people that have zero of that training 
and are also trying to navigate the healthcare system. And they have other problems that are impacting that ability to be, to think through what do I need to do and how do I need to manage this? Secondly, flexibility. We believe that flexibility is the key in this, that personalized supply must meet personalized demand. So it's the right care at the right time, at the right place, the right person. And it's not just, just a blanket shot, throw it out to everybody. It's targeted and it's personalized. And so in all of this, we work together to fund healthcare by innovation and putting, putting our efforts into moving from reducing the cost of care burden and moving it into innovative things that drive preventative and proactive care. So with that, I'm going to pause and uh, turn it over to see if there's any, any questions. Thanks for having me today. Fantastic vision. Thank you very much. The idea of, uh, of health equity and integrating data, you know, right now we're studying area deprivation index, and it turns out that uh, regardless of your demographic, if you live in an area that is a high ADI, your, your health outcome is, is poor. So speaking to the, the value of the data to understand that specifically granular information about things that could be changed about a certain, certain area. My question for you is all this data that's, that's collecting highly valuable. Can you talk about what you're doing now to make this data available, to integrate it, to allow these systems to talk to one another? You mentioned the electronic health record in addition to the things you're doing within your company. How do these integrate and what are the challenges that you see? There's so many challenges and the integration is there's a system called HealthOS. It's one of our platforms and it's actually it's cloud native, it's payer provider agnostic. And what it's what it's been designed to do is to talk to legacy. So this legacy, it connects to EMRs, it connects to health exchanges, immunization registries, it pulls that data together. And let's be clear, if you've looked at an EMR recently, when you look at an EMR, that even that data is not Sometimes it's suspect, it might be not clean. So we're even going through steps to normalize and clean that data and make sure that it's ordered in a way that it makes sense and that dupes and those things are removed. So we're connecting and we're not only receiving from the point of care, but then we're sending it back to the point of care cleaned up with other information that may not be available to that one particular EMR. Absolutely critical. From a provider perspective, we, we see these tools and then there's this and you're, it's almost you can reach out and touch it and the sensor, um, but then integrating it with what's available uh, turns out to be a bigger separation than you might think. And, right. and, and great and, to hear that progress is being made. Well, and the context is key because all of that, it's not just about the data. It's not about having that, that bit or bite in place. It's that it helps you have context to the person that you're talking to. And that makes all the difference in the world. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this presentation and will consider joining us live in San Francisco for DocSF 2023, when we will explore how digital technologies will enhance, support, and enable the expansion of the outpatient surgery arena. Register now to join our mailing list at docsf.health, docsf.health, and be the first to access our limited tickets. DocSF, join the revolution.